Father, what a joy it is to come into your house to declare to you your worth, your glory, your majesty, to know that we have a, a maker, we have a creator, we have a savior, Lord, one that loves us, one that would give his life for us. And so, Father, we're so grateful for your son, Jesus. We're so grateful for his work on the cross and that you've made us children, your children, heirs of the kingdom. And what an incredible thing because we were enemies of the kingdom. We were enemies of you and yet you would change us. We're so grateful, Lord, for just coming into your presence, and we do ask, Lord, that as you met with us in worship, Father, just so mercifully meeting with us and drawing our hearts to meet with us in your word, give us clarity, what your spirit would speak to us, your church tonight. We ask it in Jesus' name. And all the saints of God said, amen. All right, saints, if you would, please open your Bibles to the gospel of John at chapter 10, John chapter 10 tonight. Last week, we finished all of chapter 9, and so it was a, a great context, and it was really tough to break it down, um, just in case you're thinking we're going to cover all of chapter 10. No, we're not. We're going to deal with the first 10 verses here this evening, and there's plenty in there to try to understand and try to grasp and so that we can fully understand what it is that Jesus here is speaking so Jesus begins this. I want to read this passage to you. For those of you that, that haven't read ahead, I want you to be in context with us as we join into this study. John 10, verse 1, Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd, of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who went before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Verse 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I've come that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. As we look at this passage, keep in mind that what we're seeing here is, and, and don't forget that 10 does not stand on its own. Then we take a look at those people, and let's just back up to a moment here where Jesus had been speaking to them, and in verse 6, it makes this statement, Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand. Who are the they? Well, let's just back it up again a little bit so that you can understand. Back in chapter 9, verse 40. When Jesus had been saying, for judgment I've come into the world, verse 40 says, And some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? Jesus answered and said, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see, therefore your sin remains then most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up another way, the same is a thief and a robber. So the context of 10, back it up into chapter 9. If you do that, a lot of what's in 10 is going to make sense. We're dealing with Jesus talking about those that are his sheep, 
those that are not, those that is, he is the true shepherd and those that are false shepherds. And so as he begins to do so, I want to just share with you that as we look to this, what Jesus is trying to share is what the people and what the Pharisees are as leadership and what they are, basically they are false shepherds. What I want to do is this, is for just a moment, we realize that chapter 9 dealt with the blind man. And I want to take just a couple of verses in chapter 9 so that you can, just in your own mind, just in your own heart, just kind of compare the ministry of Jesus as a shepherd and the ministry of the Pharisees, the rulers of the Jews, being a shepherd. There was a man who was born blind. Jesus heals him. And I want you to see here in verse 34, the ministry of the leadership of Israel towards this man that was born blind that Jesus had completely healed. In verse 34, they said to him, you are completely born in sins and you are teaching us and they cast him out. <laughs> That's what you do to a sheep. You berate it. You belittle it, and you send it on its way. But then look at what Jesus does. It says in verse 34, they cast him out. Verse 35, then Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and he went and he found him. Do you understand the difference between the religious leaders and Jesus? They berate him, they abuse him, they accuse him, they cast him out. Jesus finds him. And as Jesus finds him, he simply then begins to draw his heart towards the kingdom of heaven. And so he asked the question, do you believe in the Son of God? Well, verse 36, he answered, who is he, Lord, that I might believe? And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Now, the amazing thing is that no one could have ever see, said that before. You've seen him because he was born blind. But now he understands that he's looking at Jesus. He's looking at the Son of God. And then he said in verse 38, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. It's amazing. Whose voice did he hear? Whose voice did he follow? And whose voice did he reject? And so as we look to this, I think it's important for you to gravitate to when you're looking at Jesus giving this conversation, he's giving it to the religious leaders and to those who would be there listening. And that's why we see back in verse 6, here of our text in John 10, Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand. Jesus try, is trying to teach them. He's trying to open their eyes. He's trying to get them to come into the kingdom. He's trying to get them to hear their, his voice, but they are rejecting it. Two passages that I want you to just be aware of. And I want to share them with you because it's dealing with the shepherds. One is the, the, the shepherds the way that God intended. Another is the way the shepherds were. In the Old Testament, Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15, Jesus made this statement. In Jeremiah 3, 15, he says, I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. This is a joy. When God gives to people a shepherd according to his own heart, that there is a shepherd that loves, there's a shepherd that, you know, basically imitates Christ as, as we see Jesus ministering in the Bible. But he says, I'm going to give you shepherds according to my heart. And then it says this, they will feed you. They will feed you. And I think it's so important that, that what there's this um, old saying with, with Calvary, and we still have it. I still have some sweaters and, and, and T-shirts with it. But it says, feed my sheep. I actually have it written on my Bible. Feed my sheep. And there's this old hoodie that I have that says, Calvary Chapel, where the sheep like to eat. And it's truly that, and it shows this little lamb that just looking and eating with an open Bible. He's just devouring the Word of God. And I think it's important that when you're feeding the flock, give them the Word of God. 
Don't give them the opinions. Don't give them your life story, but you give them the word of God. And this is what he says. He will feed you with knowledge and understanding. He's not going to feed you with, with, with great, you know, wonderful analogies and, and wonderful quips and stories. Knowledge and understanding. He's going to give you the word of God, and then he's going to give you the application to the word of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The, and the, the coming to the word, coming to the Lord, and, and seeing how does this apply to our lives and to use scripture as a whole to balance those truths out. So I think it's important that there are those people that Jesus has you know, truly said, I'm going to give you these shepherds. However, in Isaiah chapter 56, the second part of first verse 11, it's an interesting passage because the second part of verse 11, it, it declares this. In Isaiah 56, Verse 11, the second part says, are they, and they are shepherds who cannot understand. They all look to their own way, everyone for his own gain from his own territory. What happens is this, that the shepherds that are not of the Lord, they don't understand the word of God. They aren't giving out the word of God. They don't understand the life that comes into the word of God. And as we do, we recognize there's life in this word. We recognize it's living and powerful. But there are other shepherds that do not. And so this passage in Isaiah 56 verse 11, it says, who cannot understand. They are shepherds who not don't, but they cannot. The carnal mind cannot discern the things of the Spirit. They said they all look to their own way. These shepherds are thinking, what can I get out of it? Not when I, what can I give, but what can I get out of it? And so rather than feeding the sheep, what they're doing is they're fleecing the sheep. It's not giving to them that which is life. They're trying to take from them and says, how can I build up my life? And I think it's important to recognize these two passages here as the Lord begins to really open up his heart. And I think it's important to see here that what we're seeing is Jesus as he's looking at these religious people who cast out the blind man, Jesus went and found the blind man, gave life to the blind man. Now he comes to these religious leaders and he says, most assuredly I say to you. Now when you have this term most assuredly, King James says verily, verily, truly, truly in some versions, but it, it, it's this double amen where it's, it's most assuredly, absolutely, concretely, I'm saying to you. Jesus here is speaking, and as he's speaking, he's saying that he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and the robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. There's a problem that people have in dealing with these first 10 verses. The issue being is when Jesus talks about this door here in verse 1 and 2. He talks about it's the door is the shepherd of the sheep. He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. We see there in, in verse 1. He does not enter the sheepfold by the door. There is a door of the sheepfold. That is one door that we're looking at. And so that is the, that door in a sense isn't the same door that we're seeing is there in verse 7 and verse 9. When you have the door of the sheepfold, understand what Jesus is saying, grab it in its context. Because in verse 7, Jesus says, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. In verse 9, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved to go in and out and find pasture. He calls himself the door in verses 7 and 10, 
but he's not saying that I am this door. He's referring to the door of the sheepfold. Now, with this door of the sheepfold, understand that what Jesus is trying to share is this. There are those who are legit, and there are those who are not legit. Understand, let's read this again. He's saying, most assuredly, verily, verily, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door. When you enter into the place where the sheep is, you have to come through the door. Or if you come another way, that same is a thief and is a robber. We recognize here that he's talking about there's a legit way to become a shepherd, to verify that you're a shepherd, and then there's a false way to verify that you're a shepherd. Let me tell you a true way and let me tell you a false way, but I want to tell you the false way first. The false way of verifying that you're a shepherd is this, boasting. I'm your shepherd. I am the spiritual leader. I am better than you. That makes me the shepherd. And this is what the religious leaders were doing. They verified it on their own. They said, we are the leaders. And yet it was interesting that as the leaders, they didn't have the heart of God. They didn't want to feed the people. When there was someone in need, they would simply... Like Jesus gave the parable of the Good Samaritan, they would see it, they would move to the other side of the road, and they'd walk on by. Jesus would see a need, and he'd minister to that need. And with the greatest multitude, he'd see the greatest need of getting right with God, and he'd minister to that need. And so Jesus here is trying to say, okay, I'm telling you the door of the sheepfold is that which brings legitimacy, that which brings accuracy that which is is identifies the true shepherds of the children of Israel now we know that these religious leaders Jesus has had conversations with them and he's told them this listen you are descendants of Abraham but you are not children of Abraham you are of your father the devil and it's his deeds that you want to do you seek to kill me that's what your father, the devil, wants to do. He wants to snuff out truth. So this door of the sheepfold, understand, it brings truth. It brings concrete understanding. It brings identification. So we see here that it declares in verse 1 and 2, I say to you that he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way the same as a thief and a robber, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. He who comes according to the confirmation. So what happened is this. There would be a doorkeeper, and that doorkeeper would see the shepherd, and he'd say, yep, you are the shepherd. You come in, and he would allow them access he was the guy that dropped off the sheep the night before. He comes in the morning. Yes, I know who you are. But the one who's not the shepherd is going to come another way. Now, what is Jesus saying as far as speaking to these religious leaders who are rejecting him? He's letting them know, I am the true shepherd. I'm the shepherd that God said he was going to send. I'm going to be that shepherd there like Moses, who he said, I'm going to send another like him, another prophet like him. He's going to hear from God, and I'm going to do the will of God. And this is who Jesus says he is. So he has this confirmation. Now, what confirmation is Jesus declaring about himself? He says, listen, I'm going through the door. I'm going through that which verifies me. It's interesting, the confirmation of Jesus Christ, we understand that the first confirmation is what? The prophets. The prophets would declare over and over again who this shepherd would be. The prophets would declare what this shepherd would be like. Peter says something absolutely amazing in his second epistle. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 
Peter makes this statement, and so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in the dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. He said, listen, guys, we have this prophetic word confirmed. In other words, the more sure word of prophecy Well, how much sure can the prophecy be? Well, understand that just prior to verse 19 of 2 Peter chapter 1, he says this in verse 17, For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Peter is saying we heard God the Father witness about the Son, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. God the Father spoke from heaven confirming this is the Son. And Peter says, you think that's verification? That holds nothing, it holds nothing to the more sure word of prophecy. Because what the prophetic word does is this, is it cannot be altered. Jesus had to come according to scripture. He had to be born in Bethlehem. He had to be born of a virgin. After he was born, he had to go down from Egypt. And out of Egypt, I would call my son. We understand that he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. He would be betrayed by his friend. He would have to go to the cross. They would pierce his hands and his feet. They said all the way back in Psalm 22, all these things had to be. He literally, like a lamb to the slaughter, would open not his mouth. He wouldn't say a word. And it's interesting that his ministry would be that of opening the eyes of the blind, making the deaf hear, that the spear of the Lord would be upon him. All these prophetic words had to be fulfilled. And if Jesus didn't fulfill them, that he could not be that shepherd. And this is what Jesus is trying to teach these Pharisees. Listen, you guys are wondering what's going on. I'm telling you, look to the scripture and let that be the confirmation of who I am. Understand that I'm only doing the word of God and the will of God. And so he answers to them. He says, you've got to understand, I've come with this absolute witness identifying me who I am because all these scriptures speak of me, that I'm doing the will of the Father. And so he goes on and says, that's part of what the witness is. The other witness is this, John the Baptist. He was the forerunner. He came before me. He witnessed me. They said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He recognizes, I didn't, I, I thought it was him, but I didn't really know him until what? Until the Holy Spirit identified him. And after the Holy Spirit identified him, then the Father identified him. This is my beloved son. And it's interesting that you have all these witnesses that Jesus is the shepherd. And he's making a statement. He says, listen, you got to understand He who does not enter the sheepfold by this lawful confirmation, the confirmation of the the, the prophets, the confirmation of John the Baptist, the forerunner, because he literally had to come before. He had to proclaim the spirit of the Lord would be upon this man and upon the Christ. And we see that here he says, He who does not enter the sheepfold by this way, by the way that is true and lawful, but climbs up another way, he's a thief and a robber. He's false. Do you understand? He's like, I am this true shepherd. But he goes on to say, if I came another way, I would absolutely be false if you come another way. There's a passage that I just want to read to you in the book of Matthew. And in Matthew chapter 26, let me just read to you one verse here. 
Matthew 26, beginning, or Matthew 26, verse 42, it makes this statement. He says this. Again, the second time, he went away and he prayed saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. Absolutely amazing that one of the things that he says, I have to come this way. I have to come and I've got to die. I have to go to the cross if I do not go to the cross, guess what? I'm a thief and a robber. I have to come and I have to be crucified. Now understand, it's not just that I have to die. I have to be slaughtered. I have to be the lamb that was slain. I have to go to the cross and I have to shed my blood because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Understand that Jesus didn't just come to die where you know, there he was, he died in his old age. He didn't come to die, he came to be slaughtered. He came to be crucified. That was the penalty of our sin. He took it upon himself. And he's saying, if someone comes another way. If someone doesn't come and is willing to come and to give their life for the sheep, he's a liar. He's a thief. He's a robber. And so we begin to understand that this is what the Lord is beginning to simply open up. There's another passage I want to share with you found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, verse 42. It, it makes this statement, Luke eleven forty-two. he says this, But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe the mint and rue and all manner of herbs, and you pass by justice and the love of God. Do you understand? He said, these things you needed to do. These Pharisees came and they passed by justice. They passed by love. All they did was accusation, 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 and how can I benefit from this position? They were not true shepherds. They were the false shepherds. And this is what Jesus is trying to say. Listen, you've got to understand, your hearts have to change. This is why he gave to them the woes. Two passages that you may want to be aware of. You can turn there. You know of them. But I think it's important for you to gravitate to really what God says is a shepherd and what he says is not in Psalm 23. How can you not understand that this is that psalm of the divine shepherd that David wrote? He says this in Psalm 23, verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd. This is it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Do you understand that when he's the shepherd, there's peace? And, and so we, we understand that the Lord is not a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, personal shepherd. He's not just a shepherd out there, very personal. I personally will not want. And it's not just simply a dynamic, he's our shepherd, like I have to be included into everyone else in order for him to be my shepherd. No, just me and me alone. That's how much he loves me. That's how much he loves you. He's my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the still waters. So understand that he comes and he gives us rest. We're not running all over the place trying to figure things out. He says, just be at rest, lie down in the green pastures. Be at rest and let me feed you. Be at rest and let me nourish you. And then it says this, he leads me besides the still waters. Do you know what leading is? Leading is you go before. Jesus is going to say this again in just a little bit. But we see here the leading is what? That you have to go before. You have to lead. I love what Paul said. He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. It's not that the, the pastor says, you do this, and this needs to be what you do, and I'll do this. The pastor is going to do everything. He's going to initiate these things. And so I just love the fact that he leads me. He goes before me 
and he brings me to these still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Again, the leading, he's guiding, he's going before, and it's all for what? His character, so that we could pick up the very character of God. And so we understand that that's an aspect, that's what God wants us to be when we say, this is the kind of shepherd that I'm looking for. However, there's another passage, you need to be aware of it, found in Ezekiel chapter 34. In Ezekiel chapter 34, if you want to turn there, I'm going to start reading in verse 1. And we're going to camp out here for just a little bit because it really shows this contrast between the shepherds. In Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 1, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy against them. This is an accusation against them. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. You understand? You're not feeding the sheep. You're fleecing the sheep. It's, it's you're feeding yourself. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? And God is really making a point here. He said it isn't about you. It's about the people. It isn't about you. It's about the sheep. It's about the flock. In verse 3, he says in Ezekiel 34, you eat the fat and clothe yourselves with wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. Do you understand? He's actually saying, this is what you're doing. You slaughter the sheep. You kill them. You, you, you use them for your benefits. You slaughter the fatlings, you eat the fat, and you clothe yourself with wool. You're fleecing them. You're saying, you have this, I want what you have. And then he says this in verse 4, the weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost, but with force and cruelty you have ruled them. It's interesting, force and cruelty. It's amazing that what these religious leaders would say to this blind man, who are you? Who are you to question us? You're, you were born in your sins. And here you are trying to question us. You have no right. You have low, no legitimacy. And so they're, they're looking to this area where they're saying, by force and cruelty, you have ruled them. The amazing thing is Jesus is about to go on in the chapter that we're looking at and say, listen, that the sheep hear my voice, but a stranger they do not hear. I want you to understand how many of the children of Israel did you see flocking to the scribes and the Pharisees? How many did you see flocking to where they were so that they could be experiencing part of that relationship that the scribes and Pharisees had with God. None of them flocked to the scribes, yet they all went to John. They all came to Jesus. They were all looking for life. They heard the voice of John. They heard the voice of Jesus. But amazingly, when it comes to the voice of the Pharisees, the Pharisees say, haven't we commanded you? Didn't we demand that you not teach? And the Sabbath said, What's your voice? You tell us, should we obey God over you? Should we obey you over God? Your voice is nothing. I don't know your voice. I know God's voice. And the people, they knew God's voice. But I want you to understand that what he's declaring of these, and look at verse 4 again. He says, you've not strengthened. You've not built them up. You've not given them exercise. You've not helped them grow, nor have you healed those who were sick. You've not bound up the broken. You've not brought back what was driven away. As a matter of fact, the blind man, they did what? They cast him out. And anyone, even his parents were nervous about what they would say because if anyone confessed that Jesus was the Christ, what? they cast them out. This is how they ruled. They ruled and understand this with force and cruelty. So verse 5, it says, so 
They were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains on every high hill. Yes, my flock was scattered. Do you understand what God is saying? Mine, mine, mine. They were mine. They were mine. They were mine, and you abused them. Over the whole face of the earth, they were scattered, and no one was seeking or searching for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, says the Lord God, surely, because my flock became prey, and my flock became food for the beasts of the field, because there was no shepherd, nor did my shepherd search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds. Do you think you're going to experience blessing? Do you think you're going to experience me? I will require my flock at their hand. What you should have done, I'm going to deal with you. You are going to reap what you've sown. I will cause them to cease feeding the sheep. I'm going to remove you. And the shepherds shall feed themselves no more, nor will you have the opportunity to fleece them. For I will deliver my flock from their mouths that they may no longer be food for them. For thus says the Lord, indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. You understand what God is saying? I'm going to come. I'm going to be the shepherd. I'm going to do this. And so he says in verse 12, as a shepherd seeks out his flock on a day, on the day he is he is among his scattered sheep, so I will seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered. In the same way as they cast out the blind man, Jesus went and found him. Verse 13, he says, And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them to their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, in the valleys, and in all the inhabitant places of the country. And I will feed them in good pasture, and their fold shall be on the high mountains of Israel, and there they shall lie down in a good fold and feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord. I will seek what was lost and bring back what was driven away and bind up the broken and strengthen that which was sick. It's amazing to see here that the Lord says, I'm going to be the true shepherd. This is the heart. This is what we're looking for. And so when we see this, you have to understand that Jesus is making this beautiful statement, legitimate, illegitimate. And he's making this statement, he says, guys, you have to know that I am the legitimate shepherd. You guys, you've been doing it all wrong. You guys are, are destroying your thieves and your robbers. You guys were these false shepherds. You guys took pride in your positions. That basically you wanted to have all the men look at you. You agape, you, you gave yourself completely over to all the best seats in the synagogue. You loved those things. You loved the prestige. You love all men looking at you. You love when they say rabbi, rabbi, and understand with everything that was going on, what you did was this. You desired to use your position to control men. And that's what you want to do. You want to control them, not guide them, not lead them, not allow them to hear from the Lord, but to control them. And that's exactly what you see the Pharisees doing. They tried to control everything. Your disciples aren't washing their hands in the way that they're supposed to wash their hands. You, you're healing on the Sabbath. You're breaking our traditions. And so all these things they did to control. If you say Jesus was the Messiah, we're going to cast you out of the synagogue. All these things were to control. And I want you to understand that here, the, the, the scripture was saying, you guys aren't ministering to the needs. The blind man was there. Jesus said, I want to open your eyes. You understand that the, the sick were strengthened. That those that needed healing were healed. And so we see here that as Jesus begins to open up this truth, he now says in verse 2 after he says, okay, I'm telling you that he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up another way is the same as the thief and robber, verse 2, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And then he says this, to him the doorkeeper opens, 
and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Amazingly, they say the doorkeeper opens. So such a beautiful thing that we begin to understand that this here is the heart of God. This is how God desires it to flow and to work. There's a passage I want you to be aware of. I'm just going to read it to you, found in John 18, verse 16. It makes a statement, but Peter stood up on the outside of the other disciple that was known as the high priest, and he went and he spoke to her who kept the door. Remember now, as Peter is here and Jesus is at his trial, the servant girl, she keeps the door, and that is a doorkeeper. And so what the Lord is saying this, to him the doorkeeper opens. They identify those that are there. The doorkeeper opens, and so the doorkeeper, he verifies the credentials. And, of course, we saw that the, the verification was the prophets, it was John the Baptist, it was the Holy Spirit, it was the Father. And then he grants the access to the sheep. So to this one, to me, the door is open to the sheep. The door is open to, to do it. And now the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads him out. This is a beautiful passage when he says that the sheep hear his voice. I want to share with you just one passage in the end of the Gospel of John. After Jesus was resurrected there in John chapter 20, I'm going to start reading in verse 11, but the key that I want you to really understand is verse 16 and 17. But I want to read it from verse 11 so you get the context of John 20. But in John 20... After Jesus was crucified and buried, and there on the third day, it says this, Mary, Mag Mary stood outside the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. So Mary looks into this tomb, and what she sees is this. She sees an angel sitting where the head would have been, an angel sitting where the feet would have been. Now understand this. This is a beautiful picture of the mercy seat. You have cherub here, cherub here, the glory of God in the middle. And so you're seeing this as this beautiful picture here of what Mary now sees and they said, woman, why are you weeping? She said, because they've taken away my Lord. I do not know where they've laid him. Now, when she had said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there. And she did not know that it was Jesus. And she said, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she, supposing him to be a gardener, said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Now, understand, Jesus is going to say one word. He's going to say her name. He's going to say, Mary. <laughs> I love this. Jesus said to her, Mary. Then she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. And Jesus said, Jesus said don't, don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brother and said to them, I'm ascending to my father and to your father and to my God and to your God. Amazingly, she when she heard her name, she goes, that's his voice. That's my shepherd. That's who I am. My sheep know my voice. How incredible is that to see it just lived out in that way. But we see that he says, my sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. Now, I want to backtrack just a little bit over to chapter 9, because we're talking about this is all context. In John chapter 9, a couple of verses I want to share with you. One is verse 16 and 17. The other is verse 29 and 30. In John 9, 16 and 17, the religious leaders say to the blind man again, what do you say about him because he has opened your eyes? And he said, he's a prophet. 
Do you understand that they're talking to him? It says, but the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they had called the parents of him who received the sight. Now understand, when they're telling him, what do you think of this guy? What are you, what are you doing with this guy? Now, in verse 28 and verse 29 and 30, it says this. John 9, 28, then they reviled him and said, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. We know what God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. Now they're saying, we know what God spoke to Moses. And if they really knew what God spoke to Moses, they would say, like Peter, we have the more sure word of prophecy. We know who this is. But they said, we know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he's from. Amazingly, they say, we don't have a clue about this guy. And in verse 30, the man answered and said to them, why, this is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from, and yet he's opened my eyes. He said, it's a wonder that you being the spiritual leaders have no clue what's going on in your own house. You don't know. Do you understand that what he's really saying is, I don't hear any authority in you. You guys don't seem to have a clue to what is authority. You don't know who this man is. You, you're asking me, I'm telling you, he's a prophet. He opened my eyes. Tell me, where has it ever been written that the eyes of a man who was born blind was opened? It's never happened. He's saying, you guys got to understand what's going on here. And yet they were clueless. Do you understand how they did not recognize them as the voice of authority? The same way I told you that earlier, that there in Acts chapter 5, verse 28 and 29, where the religious leaders went to the disciples and said, did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and tend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than you. You understand, over and over in the scriptures, no one is flocking to the Pharisees. No one is flocking to the, oh, I got I to know who you are. I got to know this God that you serve. They would literally try to avoid them because of the Pharisees' simply saying we are trying to condemn you to belittle you to lessen you so that we can elevate ourselves and our own status in society and they wouldn't try to bring others up they would try to bring others down and the more they would bring others down the greater they would seem in height in their own eyes and so we begin to see here that jesus is simply making the statement his sheep are going to hear his voice He's going to call his own by name. And you have to understand that they're going to hear his voice. And so they're in the gospel of John, chapter 9, verse 7. Remember what Jesus said to this man who was born blind after he made the clay with saliva. He anointed the eyes of the blind man. He said, go wash in the pool. Go wash in the pool. And do you know what happens? He recognizes Jesus' voice as one of authority. And so what does he do? He goes to the pool and he washes. And then eventually what happens is this. In verse 35, after they cast him out, Jesus heard that he was cast out. And he went and he found him. He said to him, do you believe in the Son of God? Do you believe? He said, who is he? Who is he? <laughs> He's the one whom you've seen, the one whom you're hearing. And, and I love the fact that he says, oh, this is it. He says, Lord, I believe and he worship. He understands that this is the voice. He heard his voice. He heard the voice of a shepherd. He heard the voice of life. And he begins to move towards that. It's just this beautiful thing that we begin to see here. He calls his own. And such a beautiful thing. He calls his own sheep. There's a passage, just jot it down. John chapter 6, verse 37. Jesus, all that the Father gives to me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. They are his own. The Father's going to bring them. He knows who are his. 
And as he does so, we begin to see that this is the heart that Jesus begins to open up and to share. He says, listen, the sheep will hear his voice. And amazingly, if the religious leaders were paying attention, they would recognize the people were responding to Jesus. They were responding to the message. They were responding to the miracles. Everything the prophet said would take place was taking place in the person of Jesus and his ministry. And so he says, listen, you have to understand the doorkeeper opens the legitimacy of who I am. And the next thing that's going to bear witness is the sheep are going to hear his voice. He's going to call his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And again, it's not drives them out, not cast them out, but he leads them out. And this is what Jesus does. Follow me. Always follow me. He said to Matthew, the tax collector, remember, follow me. And what did he do? He followed him over and over. He simply says, follow me. And he follows him. It's an amazing thing, the voice of the shepherd, that the sheep will respond to that voice, even dead sheep. You know Lazarus? Lazarus was there. He was there in the tomb. He was there over, you know, four days. He stunketh. He stunketh. And, and, and Jesus would say, Lazarus, come forth. And guess what that sheep would do? He would hear the voice of his shepherd, and he would come forth absolutely amazing that it says in verse 4 and when he brings out his sheep he goes before them he doesn't drive them he doesn't you know put fear into them to move forward he leads them and i think this is so important to, to recognize that what the key to being a shepherd is, is leading them to do everything that God calls you to do and to become an example to everything that God has called you to do. I'm so blessed that this fellowship is grounded in the word of God. That there are people who come in and not knowing who we are, not knowing that we go through the scriptures, not knowing how grounded the fellowship is, and they try to share their unique form of doctrine. And what's amazing is this, is that the men and the women of the fellowship, when they try to do that, will come back to the scripture and say, but what about this? And what about this? And it frustrates them. And the beautiful thing is, is this, is that we as leadership, we don't have to worry when these people come in. If they try to anchor themselves, we'll watch. But it's a beautiful thing because the body themselves have already heard the word of God. They know the word of God and they know when something is not true. They instantly through the spirit and through the word know when someone's trying to come and, and to, to try to say, hey, let me give you this doctrine. Let me give you this doctrine. Let's, let's check these things out. They say, listen, it's not in the word of God. We're not going there. And the beautiful thing is this is I don't have to worry about the, the body being drawn to someone who comes in new into the church and starts spouting off a bunch of unique and new things. We understand if it's new, it's not true. And if it's true, it's probably not new. It's been said before and again and again, and it, it's going to go through that. But I love the fact that I don't have to worry about them following a new voice. Why? Well, to be honest with you, you've had 20-some years of listening to me simply reading the Word of God and reading it and saying, this is what it says. I believe it, and you should too. And we're all like, yeah, that's the Word of God. I believe it. I want to receive it. This is the heart of God. And, and thank you for using Scripture to back up Scripture and to verify that this is who He is. I don't have to worry about the people going and hearing a new voice. They, they know the voice is true, and they, they understand, yeah, sometimes Lowell will, will you know, misquote a scripture, but he'll come back. If he says something in there, he'll come back the, the, this, the next Sunday, and he'll say, listen, I, I made an error on this. It wasn't this passage. It was this passage. And if I stand here and make an error, I will stand here publicly and make a correction. Anyone who's been here long enough has seen me do it more than once. It happens. And so we see here, and I love the fact the sheep hear his voice. The sheep know who are the leaders. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, 
He goes before them. The sheep follow him, for they know his voice. The neat thing is this, you guys don't have to worry about me going off on some crazy tangent. And if I did go off on some crazy tangent, guess what? You will correct me. Lovingly, graciously correct me. And if I'm not correct at that point, then you guys will leave. And you guys will find someone else to give you the word of God and to give it truly and and to, to have the Lord's heart. And so I just think it's so important. And I love the fact that he goes before them. He imitates Christ and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Verse 5, yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Amazingly, that these people had no great desire to follow the religious leaders. They tried to do what they said, but they didn't flock to them. They didn't try to say, oh, let's, let's all follow them because we have such joy in doing so. They put burdens on the people, burdens that even the Pharisees wouldn't lift. And they said, listen, you don't even do that. And you expect the people to do this? You need to be the one to walk the truth. And this is what Jesus did. And he recognizes you're not going to follow a stranger. You're going to flee from them. You're, you're not going to want to be close to them, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, and they didn't understand. The Pharisees are still like, well, I don't know. If, if you, are, are we blind also? <laughs> yes, you are. You're blind and you're deaf. You're not understanding all this. I've very clearly explained to you who I am. I explained to you my voice and you need to respond to it. If you're my sheep, you will. And so he says now in verse 7, and he said to them again, most assuredly, I am the door of the sheep. And now he uses not that authority to verify who he is. He says, I am the access When he uses this next term, I am the door of the sheep, he's now saying that the access is of me. Let's look again at verse 9 to confirm this. He says, I am the door if anyone enters by me. Do you understand? I am the door. You have to enter by me. And so when he says in verse 7, most assuredly, verily, verily, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Now at this point, this is where it trips up people. In verse 8, and this is where the Greek actually helps in this context, People don't read the English well either, but it says all who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. So is he saying that everyone else who ever came before him were thieves and robbers? No. You understand that he's making this statement. He says present day. He said all who came before me are, not were. Do you understand? So, so the, the all are present day shepherds. The all are the present day leaders. Because he didn't say all who came before me were, he said all who came before me are presently, and that's a present perfect tense. So when he's talking about those who come before him, he's talking about the religious leaders that aren't the true shepherd, that aren't leading people to God. And so he says this, verse 8, all whoever came before me are presently thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Do you understand that the sheep weren't moving towards them? They were leaving them. This is why they're coming to me. The sheep did not hear them. So the people weren't flocking to them, but they're flocking to me. They flocked to John the Baptist. And in verse 9, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, very specifically, you have to come through me, by me. If you come by me, you will be saved. You will not be lost. You will be saved. You will go in, you will go out, and you will find pasture. Amazingly, we see two things that when you come to Christ. That one, you're not just idle. 
Do you understand? You go in, you go out. You go in, you go out. There's exercise. There, there's, there's wonderful activities that we do in Christians. We're led by the Lord. We're moving here. We're coming back. We're moving here. We're coming back. He leads us into ministries, and he brings us back to be refreshed. This is the Lord, and I love the fact that the Christian walk is not stagnant. And if your walk is stagnant, you need to rethink and go to before the Lord and say, why is it that I'm not going in and out? Why is it that I'm not finding exercise as a Christian? Why is it that I'm not finding ministry as a Christian? He said, you will go in and out and find pasture. You will go in and out, and you will find this, this beautiful freedom to just be led in and out. You'll go in and you'll go out. You'll, you'll have this amazing opportunity to go out and then you will find this pasture that God is going to always bring you to a place of life. He's going to bring you to a place of, of nourishment. There is a passage in Acts chapter 4, verse um, 12. I just want to read it to you. As, as Peter and John are speaking, Peter makes this incredible statement. He says in, in Acts 4.12, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus says there's one thing, you have to enter by me. Not just enter the way that you want, not just say, well, I've done the scriptures. No, you come by him, only through him. You need to enter by him. And if you do, you will be saved. You will go in, you will go out, you will find pasture. Verse 10, a thief does not come in except, the thief does not come in except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I've come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. Now what he's doing is this. He's going all the way back to that portion in John chapter 8, verse 44, where he said, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. And when he speaks a lie, he speaks on his own resources. At this point, what Jesus does, he moves in verse 9 to verse 10. He moves from the religious leaders to saying, you can only come through me and then he moves now to verse 10, which would be prophetically the Antichrist, or we're recognizing that he's comparing himself to Satan and to the father that they're serving versus him and him walking with his father. So he says, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So he's making the statement, not just a thief, but the thief. So he's going right to Satan, right to the Antichrist. To When the Antichrist comes, keep in mind that he is going to be the instead of Christ. He's going to be a duplicate or a second Christ, if you will. So he's going to come and where Jesus would lead people to the Father, the Antichrist being the epitome of the false shepherds, is going to fleece them, is going to murder them, is going to rule them by cruelty. And so what he does, he says, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, to destroy. Satan, yes, Antichrist, he says, but I've come that they may have life. So when the Antichrist comes on the scene, understand that he's not coming that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. He's coming so that he can control, that he can be dogmatic, that he could lead you into what the things that he needs to do. And so understand this is a beautiful passage that Jesus is speaking, trying to tell these religious leaders, listen, come through me, hear my words, and have life. And then you will have this life and you will have it abundantly and you will have this joy and you will have this peace and you will have all those things because you're being led by me, the true shepherd. May that be our hearts as, as we come before the son of God, as we come before our true shepherd, as we come before the door, our access to father and to heaven. Amen. Oh, father, we are so grateful for this word. You speak these things trying to bring an understanding to hearts that were hardened. And I'm so grateful that we whose heart are not hardened, we can receive these things. 
You can speak to us things that are life, things that are, are so precious, things that are bring us peace. And so we thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. We thank you, Lord, for confirming to us the, the confirmation, Jesus, that you are, you are that shepherd. You are that God said, I will become that shepherd and I will seek out the lost. And you did. You just verified it through seeking out the one that these religious leaders that would fleece and, and not minister and not heal and not bind up, but they would not take care of it. They would abuse, Lord, and they would cast him out and you would find him and you would minister to him and you would bring him into the fold. What a glorious thing, Lord, that that was us. We were cast out by the world. We were, we were running from you, and yet you would come after us. You would leave 99 and come after us and find us and bring us back to the fold. How good you are. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for this word, this confidence of who you are as our shepherd, who you are as this door, the access that we have. Continue to work those things in our heart, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.